seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. And welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. While Cannibal Holocaust wasn't the first film of its type, it certainly was the most influential, leading to a glut of movies that took its idea and ran with it. That's nothing new or different in horror, though. Just search any recent horror release list, and you'll see a ton of shaky cam ghost stories or people carving each other up as some form of game. So when Cannibal Ferox, a.k.a. Make Them Die Slowly, or Let Them Die Slowly, or Woman From Deep River, came on the scene a year after Holocaust, its influence was writ large on the screen. There was a, this was a film that was out there and willing to shock. I mean, it's fairly obvious what the film's aims are when you see how it was sold. The 1981 Italian exploitation film, written and directed by Umberto Lenzi, um, upon its release, the film's US distributor claimed it was the most violent film ever made. And Cannibal Ferox was claimed to be banned in 31 countries. And it's fair to say that it's only been recently that that ban's been lifted in a fair few of them.
The story tells of a New York grad student and anthropologist called Gloria, a brother Rudy and their mate Pat, who travelled to a remote part of the Amazon jungle to find and disprove the theory of cannibalism among the local tribes. Now they they run into basically somebody far worse than than any kind of cannibal tribe. A cruel sadistic drug dealer named Mark Lawson and his partner Joe, who were hiding in the jungle from a murder and drug dealing charge and it had ripped off a couple of gangsters in New York. They come up with an idea of trying to use the um the natives as uh, slaves to uh, harvest emeralds and cocoa. Things get a bit crazy and a few natives, including the daughter of the chief, get killed by Lawson for his own enjoyment. And so the warriors turn against their masters and subject all five of the students to torture and murder, uh, becoming judge and executioner for their perceived crimes. The following feature is one of the most violent films ever made. There are at least two dozen scenes of barbaric torture and sadistic cruelty graphically shown. If the presentation of disgusting and repulsive subject matter upsets you, please do not view this film. When you rip off a New York mob, the only place to hide is a jungle where nobody wants to look. Come on, bitch. Where's your stud? If the cops don't nail them, the syndicate will. Make them die, slowly. How would you like to make an Indio girl? tried to murder and torture their way to a fortune in lost emeralds. Seems to get a perverted kick out of making the poor son of a bitch suffer. They made one mistake. They got caught. And when you get caught in this jungle, there's no bail and no jail. There's just punishment and pain. Cruel, barbaric, primitive. For what they've done, make them die slowly. Humiliation and mutilation were just the appetizers at this blood feast. Please let her die soon. Oh, let her die soon. And let 
me die soon too, please. Castration and decapitation, the main course. through yet. No jungle revenge is complete without a little cannibalism for dessert. Make them die, slowly. The most violent film ever made. Too disgusting to watch. Too bizarre to resist. We're saving the best parts for you. Make them die slowly. As I said, the uh, the film was written and directed by Umberto Lenzi. Although this is heavily influenced by Holocaust, it was actually Lenzi who started the cannibal trend himself. Born in uh, Grosseto in north southern Tuscany, he's a writer and director of uh, Eaten Alive from 1980 and this, Cannibal Ferox, as well as uh, the Italian comic book movie Criminal from 66. He's one of the first Italian directors to get involved in Giallo, along with Barbara and Argento, um, and is this and the movie Man from Deep River, also known as Sacrifice, which we'll discuss at a later date, is credited to start in this Italian cannibal film genre that other people took and run with him. Lenzi's claimed in interviews that he was never too enamoured by the cannibal films he made being much prouder of his war films, his police crime films, and his westerns. Lindsay said that Man from Deep River is his best cannibal film, although he only, and he only kind of did the other two to make a, bit, a couple of quid. And his favourite jolly, uh, Orgasmo, and Seven Bloodstained Orchids. I think it's fair to say that Lindsay was not the proudest director. For example, he directed Ghost House in 1988, which is known as La Casa Free in Italy. Now, the reason why it's called La Casa Free is the fact that it's actually designed to be a rip-off of Evil Dead 1 and 2 that were released in Italy under the title La Casa. It's one of those pseudo-sequels that we'll get onto and we discuss quite a bit, particularly when we get to uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters. The film is best known, I think, or certainly is known for John Morgan's performance as the our, uh, our chief gangster on the run. His real name is Giovanni Labardo Radis. Uh, he was born in September 1954 in Rome. Now, he's 
basically best known for those gruesome death scenes as characters fall into. It's kind of a, a thing. He states in the past that he never wanted to before, p- p- portray Mike Logan in Ferox. Um, and also that he used the name John Morgan uh, as an anglicised form as his first name. Um Basically, to get people to think that the you know that it was more of a an Anglo uh, production rather than you know a foreign film. Redis refused to carry out any animal killings in the film and was voiced strong objections to filming in the first place. He is shown killing an animal in, in the movie, but and Redis says that the director used a stand-in's hand for the actual killing scene. Now, I mean, looking at it, it's quite it's not a very pleasant scene to watch, but you can do you can see that the uh, there is a, it, the movie does cut away a little bit in terms of you know the the the, the animal killing. He also says that uh, the fact that a standing accidentally got a, a hand wound is kind of like revenge of the uh, the poor creature that was killed. Apparently, Lindsay tried to convince Radis to uh, to do the to do the killing. He said De Niro would have done it, in which case Radis said that he responded De Niro would kick your ass all the way back to Rome. The shots of this, um, the killing of the pig, were kind of cut between the two, as I said. To create blood spatter for the shot, Radis' double, who'd actually killed the pig for the film, was to hold a a bowl of fake blood, which Radis would then stab. However, the doubles held the, the bowl from the bottom and then Radis stabbed the bowl. The knife went through it and cut into the hat of the double's hand quite badly. It's this that Radis described as the avenging of the pig from the uh, from the free on the grave. It was a rush job, and I think you can tell it was a rush job, despite the fact that obviously it's been shot in the Amazon and also in New York, because the um the Lindsay decided to use the uh, same music as he did for Eat the Life. It uh, has its its reviews are mixed, probably because well indeed because it is reductive of Holocaust, and also because it is um, well it's too it's not very nice it's pretty brutal. I mean a lot of r- r- uh, critics respond negatively to animal cruelty and rightly so. All movie called the film revolting but nauseatingly effective. However, it also says that it's a sh- the film is more of a showcase for the gory special effects of Giannetto de Rossi than anything else. Indeed, I think the film's most standout gore scene, and certainly one of the reasons why the film is still banned, well, not banned, but so heavily cut in this country, is a scene where hooks are placed through the breasts of one woman and then she's hung on it up on it until she's dead. I mean, it's an impressive gore effect, and it looks when you see the actual woman being hung up, it is it is impressive indeed, uh, and very deeply unpleasant as well. Um, De Rossi was known uh, is, is his work appears repeatedly, and we will discuss his uh, his many amazing effects as we continue through the video nasties list. His first one, his first one was for working for Joe D'Amato, who, as we know. Created, uh, who worked on Apropocopagus. And um, he worked on Damato for Emmanuel in America. Um, 
He also works extensively with Lucio Fulci, the uh, the Italian horror maestro, who will again appear numerous times on the Video Nasties list. It's, uh, we just haven't reached him yet. He worked on Zombie 2, which is better known in the UK as Zombie Flesh Eaters, which is one of them on the list. The Beyond, again, on the list. And The House of by the Cemetery, which is, once again, on our list and to be discussed. La, um, Cannibal Ferox flirts with ideas of colonialism. And I think a lot of the people that hold it up in such high regard, and there are people that do, hold it up because of this element. Now, I'm no... I'm no, I, 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 I'm just as bad as a lot of people on this. I mean, I hold Holocaust up as being far cleverer and far better made than a lot of the people would do. Uh, and I say it's a film with a message. And I think Ferox does have a message. I just don't think it's been particularly well executed. You know, it, it has the usual cliched arguments that the white man is the evil person, exploiting those around him. Go, you know, these people go crazy in the jungle and, and exploit the, the natives. And it is them that drive the natives to commit such heinous acts. Now, such talk of, 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 of exploitation is fine, with the exception of the fact that the film obviously goes out of its way to exploit the environment and the people around it. And, you know, getting natives to portray a racist role, in effect, as you know, victims who uh, are exploited to the point of committing acts of cannibalism. And also, um, you know, the, the environments for the animal cruelty indeed and, and killing, and in particular with Ferox, a fair number of animals, I think it's fair to say. Yes, it is a driver, but I think that the, you know, the, this idea that it's our fault We've, we've made them into barbarians I think carries some pretty grim and unpleasant weight behind it true but also as a, as a, as a bit of commentary it's not something you particularly hold up um, the final denouncement where one character, this is a massive spoiler uh, one of the characters survives and writes a book kind of rubbishing the theories of what they've actually discovered is uh, telling that uh, you know that she's blatantly, you know, it, 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 why does she do that? What's her theory? What's her thought process behind that? It's it, it, it's fairly unpleasant. Uh, Replay first released an uncut version in August of 1982, and in September 1982, the BBFC unofficially approved an 18 certificate kind of video version, cut by six minutes and 51 seconds. It was listed as a video nasty in July 83. Both the cut and uncut versions were successfully prosecuted. And this uncut version stayed on the list throughout the panic, so it became one of the collectible 39s. However, the cut removed version was eventually removed from the list. It's this 18 version pre-cut by 6 minutes and 51 seconds, which was submitted to the BBFC in 2000, and insisted on another 6 seconds of cuts for animal cruelty. And it's currently only available in the UK as this version. There's an uncut, unrated version from the US uh, from 2006, uh, Region 1. 
So I suppose if you want to get it, that's the one you want to get. アマゾンの秘境が彼らを野獣に変えた。未だ誰も見たことのない衝撃の世界。あなたはこれに耐えられるか。That was the uh, original Japanese theatrical trailer for the film. Also got a little bit of um, feedback from Scott P, who I mentioned in an earlier podcast. He says, thanks for reading my comments on the Delirium episode. Always a thrill for us Americans to hear our names pronounced with a Liverpoolian accent. I promise not to ever ask you if you know a Beatle. Great episode on Last House on the Left. I like how you kept it UK-centric, concentrating on the controversy that I not know much about here over the Atlantic. I also have a question. I'm a huge fan of Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, especially the infamous Derek and Clive records. Their documentary film, Derek and Clive Get the Horn, was banned on video in the UK for years, though it's not on the official list of horror or a horror film. Could this be considered a video nasty? Looking forward to hear your thoughts there. Take care and keep up the high quality. This has been the best episode for it so far. Well, thanks very much for that, Scott. Um, that's very kind of you. Uh, no, I don't know any Beatles. Uh, but the, uh, the answer I always come out with when people ask about that kind of thing is I live two minutes away from Penny Lane and my school's over the road from Strawberry Fields. Anyway, um, in answer about the question about uh, Derek and Clive, um, it's true that they were caught up in the furore. The film originally was actually banned. It was um, tr- it was attempted to be released theatrically in 1980, but the BBFC re- just rejected it outright on the grounds of its bad language and also for blasphemy, which at the time was something that could get a film banned on. I think it still can in the UK, although... Um, there currently aren't any anymore that are, have been banned for blasphemy. So, Cook, who's like the driver behind this, um, decided to release it straight to video because at the time, as we all know, there was no um, limits to what you could release. Um, it, James Anderton um, from Greater Manchester Police, who, which was one of the drivers behind the Vigilancy Furore and the seizures, seized the copies of the film at that stage, a couple of hundred, and it drove the small video company that was releasing it into um, its bankruptcy. And it was that that kind of killed it off. Um, for a film to actually be a video nasty, it has to be on the list, not just seized by the police. It has to be on the list of the DPP films that were considered to be obscene. Now, that isn't to say that Derek and Clive Got the Horn wouldn't have been classed as obscene in the UK in the 1980s. More that it didn't go to court because, effectively, 
the police managed to just bankrupt the company that was producing it and took it off the streets anyway themselves. So there was no need for a trial. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's quite... I, I mean, personally, I think it it probably would have got a conviction. Uh, just all the talk of the Pope and the Queen back in the 80s would have almost certainly have got it, you know, a little bit in that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's my feeling on it. Um, it's a bit, you know, it's obviously... What happened actually was it got released in the early 90s um, by... Uh, well, but well, it, it, well, it's universal, but uh, that production, but it was actually through uh, Polygram, who um, who who released it back then, and um, obviously it's available now to this day, um, being as offensive and as funny as ever. As I was walking down the street one day, I saw a house on the fire. There was a man standing at an upper story window shouting and screaming to the crowd that was gathered there below for he was so afraid jump you fucker jump jump into this here blanket what we are holding and you will be all right he jumped hit the deck broke his fucking neck there was no blanket laugh we nearly shat we have not laughed so much since Grandma died Or Auntie Mabel caught her, left it in the mangle We are miserable sinners Filthy fuckers And I think it's fair to say a lot of the time as well I mean, we touch on this a lot that I mean, the original Derek and Clive cover was like a turquoise blue looked like it being handwritten it looked quite deliberately cheap and nasty with a worn label on and it's only because of its reputation of with the records that it kind of people kind of it got closer to being you know um notoriety as it were but anyway thanks a lot for your um for your comment um so yes in answer yes it it, it did, did kind of get wrapped up in the for all but a lot of films did i mean we're going to talk about uh, fun House and that kind of thing and also um, obviously we've mentioned before The Littlest Whole House in Texas which was that tweet Dolly Parton musical that got seized uh, because they, they thought it was a porno so you know there was, as I said there was uh, a lot of overzealous seizure of other people's property by the police at that stage Anyway, if you want to be like uh, Scott and leave feedback, you can do. He did it on, on my website, which is videonastiespodcast.com. There, there's all the different stories, all the podcasts and various articles that I've written over the last well, 10 months now. If you want to email me, please do. My email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get me on Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey. Hope you had a lovely Halloween. And next week, we have got um, a film that is a little bit spooky and also slightly influenced by The Exorcist. It's called The Boogeyman. So, until next week, take care and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye.
never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. <laughs>